Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Conan Esla, and I'm here today with Carlos Gomez. Hola, hola. And Tadeo Gasparetto. Hello, everyone. Tadeo, can you tell us a little bit about today's paper? Yeah, sure. So today we're going to discuss a paper that has been published and last year in American Political Science Review. The title of the paper is Can Exposure to Celebrities Reduce Prejudice? The Fact of Muhammad Salah on Islamophobic Behaviors and Attitudes. So four authors, Allah, Al-Arababa, William Marble, both from Stanford University, Salma Musa from Yale University, and Alexandra Sigo from University of Colorado Boulder. So it's a very, very interesting paper. And Carlos, can you introduce this paper to us? It is a pleasure. This is a paper that I like a lot. And the authors uses, again, football to understand a social problem. So these authors use a very famous striker, which is called Mohamed Salah. He plays for Liverpool. And he became very, very famous some years ago. And he has kept a consistent performance over time. Mohamed Salah is Muslim. And as the author explained in the paper, he represents the religion a little bit. So he performs a little prayer after he scores the calls. And he's usually involved with other religious ceremonies. So he's one of these players that have this characteristic. And the authors, what they try to do here, they try to see whether people that live in Liverpool, so that they have this exposure to Mohammed Salah, change the attitude towards Muslim because of this. This is the old idea of the contact hypothesis. So having contact with people from another group can change the behavior towards this group. And here they call it the parasocial contact hypothesis. This is not direct contact face-to-face, but contact mediated via screen, or in this case, when we go to the stadium and watch Mohamed Salah playing football. And what the authors do, we will talk a little bit more about this. They have three different research designs. They analyze hate crimes in England after Mohamed Salah joined the club. They also analyze anti-Muslim tweets among UK soccer fans and they also perform a survey. In the paper, the authors also give a little bit of context about Islamophobia in the UK, which I found very interesting. I didn't know a lot about uh, Islamophobia in the UK, and I enjoy this part of the paper. And also they explain the role that the media play in this context. Now, if you think it's a good idea, we move on to describe the methods a little bit. Yeah, sure, let's do that. So, as Carlos already said, we have three methods here in this paper. And if you come from academia, so for me, I have the feeling that they already have a pretty clear case, but they use these three methods to make it even clearer. So uh, they show similar results for each one of them, but I think it makes their paper a lot stronger. So the first method they have is they look at hate crimes as classified by the police. And they look at those hate crimes in several jurisdictions in England, but the first one they look at is Merseyside. So to the best of my knowledge, that is close or around Liverpool. And then they compare the results in this area with about two dozen other jurisdictions in England. And what is nice then is they say, okay, we have the results. And at this point in time, so at a certain point in time, 
Mohamed Salah moved to Liverpool and they say, okay, now let's have a look at what happened in Merseyside with the hate crimes. And then they extrapolate the results in the future. So they say, what would have happened if Mohamed Salah would not have come to Liverpool? So, Tadeo, what do the authors find for this method? That's very nice. Very great explanation, Cornu. And this is a very nice. When you take a look in the figure two, they actually compare it. They put this extrapolation that how the hate crimes would happen in that specific region and then show a lower degree of hate crimes, about 16% less after Mohamed Salah has joined Liverpool. So the way they explain is very interesting because they say they don't take all the crime in the region, they take the particular hate crime that would be towards Muslims in order to compare. And what they also say is that they analyze other kinds of crimes as well to see what, how robust the result is. And they realize that the only one, the single one that actually reduced was the hate crime. So all other hates, all other crimes, I'm sorry, kept more or less very closer to what was expected. But this particular one, no, it has declined since the player has been joined. But guys, one question that maybe I didn't get it or didn't read it right. So when we talk about hate crimes, the authors mentioned here crimes based on religion, race, sexual or abilities of the people. Are they actually able to only look at hate crimes based or against Muslim people? Or this is a little bit a broader definition of hate crimes in the analysis? I haven't seen this particular point about Islam. I guess was hate crimes in general because they didn't have these numbers. Honestly, I think so as well. That's a really good question. So what I read is was hate crimes as classified by the police. So I think that's all the information they got. Otherwise, they would have to dig super deep into the data to find this out. So I don't okay. think they have it, but let's leave it open, okay? Yeah. Now, getting this data is already super impressive. I don't know how many police offices they contact and getting all this data. I was just curious whether they were actually able to pinpoint this detail about anti-Muslim or not. But yeah, great. Sorry, Tadeo, go on. No, come on. This first part is done. Porno, can you tell okay. us the uh, second great. point? So then I... I come to the second method that they are using, and I like this a lot because how they described it in the paper, also for the reader, in the beginning, you might think, ah, what are they doing there? But every step they take, you're more convinced that the method is actually a nice method. So what they do is they look at tweets from fans, and they don't only look at tweets from fans from Liverpool, but also from Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Manchester City. And then if you're super deep into the Premier League, they also have another argument for you. They said, you know what? We didn't even look at only look at those clubs, but we also looked at their direct competitor in the same city at Everton, you know, even though it's it has a different size. And then in the next step, they said, okay, we only look at long-term supporters because actually that makes a lot of sense. You don't want to look at someone who just met the club or just joined the club because of Salah or a half year later. So they looked at long-term supporters. And then they used 500,000 for each club. And for this number, they randomly selected 10,000 users for each club. So you have to keep in mind what a huge kind of database this is. 10,000 random users. And then they looked at around 15 million tweets. And if you're interested in that, 
They used a machine learning algorithm to get even deeper into the tweets that they classified as anti-Muslim or not. And I think if I understood it correctly, they even had humans double-checking if the tweets were anti-Muslim or not. So that means they looked at anti-Muslim tweets for around five or six clubs for 10,000 users for each team. And Tadeo, what did they find? Well, again, the result was very positive in the sense that they found a reduction in the anti-muscling tweets, let's say, when they could compare Liverpool fans and other English Premier League clubs, these five plus Everton, they realized that was about 47, 48% less after Salah joined the club. So it was one more evidence that the presence of Salah in all of his association to the Muslim culture and religiosity was very positive in the sense that the Liverpool fans reduced. So there is one more figure that is very interesting that they could compare between Liverpool fans and other clubs. And also, the, how can I say, the counterfactual. So the way the tweets among Liverpool fans would have been without Salah. And then the actual difference with Salah is very nice to see. And once again, they provide a lot of robustness. They also take some tweets from non-football fans in order to compare whether these people that are not particularly interested in football, and they also found that Liverpool fans had a higher decrease in this hate speech on internet. So it was two very interesting findings that they got. That's great, Tadeo. Uh, very cool explanation. Now we are running out of time a little bit, so we will try to explain the third mental design also a little bit quick, because if this is not impressive enough, these two studies, they still run a third one. So they also perform another experiment, which is based on a survey among Liverpool fans that they find in Facebook. So Liverpool fans that like a Facebook page are the sample of the survey. And they generate a treatment and a control group. For this experiment in the control group, they provide participants with this survey and simply say that Mohamed Salah is a striker of the team and since, I think, 2017. And in the treatment group, these participants actually see a little test that explains how Mohamed Salah is related to the Muslim religion and culture. And then here they try to observe different outcomes. These participants state how far the British culture is to Islam and if it's compatible. Then they also assess the respondents have some or a lot in common with Muslims in the UK and if they think that immigrants have a positive influence on the UK. And they also find some interesting results. Yeah, I mean, again, the results were very, very cool in the sense that they could compare then the treated group and the counter group, a very classical research design in such kind of experiments. And the main one that they got was that those people that has been treated, so those who had the picture of Salah, had the small text of Salah, they show about 5% more likely to say that Islam is compatible with the British values. And all other two groups, they were also positive, but not significant, but still would provide a small evidence that this treatment that's showing the exposure of the different culture was very good in reducing the prejudice. Let me add one more thing. 
because this is something that I really liked about the paper. I remember that I was watching Liverpool back then as well, and I had no idea before that Salah was a Muslim, but when you saw him playing, it was obvious afterwards because he made some gestures and then his comments and everything as well. So it was pretty clear. But in this paper here, they mentioned it as well that another player in this team, Sadio Mane, was also a Muslim. And I really love that they control for that and they find out that no, he didn't have the same effect. So for me personally, also that was super interesting because I knew that Salah was a Muslim, but I didn't know for Mane. And even for that kind of difference, they double check that no, it's a Salah effect and not a let's say, money effect. So this is something else that I really enjoyed about this paper. It is a really nice contribution. And that is precisely the point that they try to make that Salah, its identity has always been related to Islam and his Muslim identities are always clear and visible for others. And that's the whole point behind this paper. And I enjoy it very much. Now the question is also how much of this contact hypothesis with celebrities can actually change the attitudes of the people towards the outgroup in general, to a Muslim in general. But it's a really, really nice contribution. Tadeo, something left to say? No, I guess we have covered basically everything. It was really, really nice, guys. That's great. Cornell, Tadeo, thank you very much. This is everything for today's podcast. Thank you for listening to the weekly piece of sports. Stay tuned.